And now, the Andy Greenwald Podcast. Andy, Andy. Welcome to the Grantland Network. My name is Andy Greenwald. It is a wonderful Friday afternoon here in our New York studios because I am joined by Nick Gordon and Louise Post of Veruca Salt, whose new album, their first together in 18 years. Is that correct? 17 years? 17 years, I think. Well, the last one came out in 96. No, it came out in 97. Yes. Okay. Well, 18 years. Ghost Notes. It's out now. It's a terrific album. Welcome to you both. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you. We've already gone over like a list of our topics. We're going to talk mostly Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I know that. (laughs) Thank God. Um, That was number one. Um, We're going to talk about the 90s in a lot of detail. Oh, God. I can't wait to talk about the 90s. And then like part three is just going to be women in bands. What's up with that? Yeah. Women in rock. That's our favorite topic, isn't it, Nina? So this is going to be good, right? Yes. Okay, great. Um, No, but uh, thank you really for joining me. I am a fan, and I am a big fan of the new album especially. Um, In doing research before talking to you guys, I I came across this interview you did in, I think, 1997, right after uh, Eight Arms to Hold You came out. And first of all, I I just can't believe that there was a time on MTV, and I remembered, I watched it, where like Matt Pinfield could be on TV and with guests sitting on crates and being like, like trading anecdotes about Steve Albini. And this <laughs> right. was a national cable network. <laughs> right. It was actually right. crazier than I remember. Like, right. I, I think that's how I would have imagined the 90s to be, but it was. Like, that's it true. It totally was. Um, but in this interview, you talk about, um, Nina, you said something like how you, you were always a fan of reprises on albums and you wish you could have done a cool one. And uh, Louise, you say, well, we'll have plenty more records to do that. We'll have plenty Aww, of time. That's really sad. It was very sweet. And so I wondered, like, at did it did it fall when it fell apart the first time did it happen quickly like that when you were having that interview in 1997 did you foresee many more records and a long yeah. run ahead yeah, yeah we did we absolutely did um and in fact you know maybe a few weeks before we broke up we were working on our next album we were working on what would have been our third album together mm-hmm. full length album together so yeah it all happened pretty quickly. I will say, though, on a positive note, that our new album, Ghost Notes, um, the vinyl is coming out this fall, and there are exactly that on the record. I think three, three. reprises. Yeah. Oh, yeah. terrific. And thank you for reminding me oh, of so that. it's come full circle. <laughs> it has. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. So in contrast to how quickly it fell apart then, how deliberative was it in terms of getting back together because from what I understand you had to both you had to get in touch personally of course before you started to reconnect musically well yeah but you know Nina and my friendship has always been synonymous with playing music we've never just been buddies who we didn't meet at a party or a bar or college or anything we met through a friend who set us up on a musical blind date so we started the first day playing music so while we reconnected and we had to reconnect on a on a level that was not music related and it was really about motherhood and, and families and um, child rearing. Um, and you both find yourself in the same city again, is that right? Yeah, we're in L.A., but we, d- we didn't see each other for all those years. And yet... Well, traffic's terrible. Well, it is. It's hard. To <laughs> <laughs> but we connected um, on a very fundamental level about being moms and, and you know, where Nina was very much there for me during a time when I needed a friend and she was that person. And I don't think she ever anticipated being that person to me like at that time. And she was, and, um, it was a surprise to me as well. And, and yet we didn't see each other until 
Nina, specifically Nina, had an itch to play music again with me and um, I think with the band and we got together for dinner. What was the dinner like? I mean, what, what, how, how do you go from having a dinner to actually picking up instruments? And I mean, it had been a while. It had been a, a very long while. Um, well, dinner was great. What, what did you serve? I mean, this is really a dinner. No, no, we podcast. went to a restaurant. Yeah, we went to a restaurant, um, and we talked and talked and talked and talked and got a little weepy and laughed a lot. And um, we didn't talk about making music. And in that, did we? I think I think we did a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I think we both knew. But I think it was sort of at the end. Right. Yeah. Right. And then we got together with the dudes, with Jim and Steve, who were in the original Veruca Salt incarnation. And, um, and we sat with them and we talked about maybe playing like a reunion show, maybe doing what bands do, like playing American Thighs front to back, right. you know, at one show in L.A. or something. And it seemed like that would be great for us. It would be fun, and it would be kind of, you know, it would it would uh, allow for some closure, yeah. some healing. But we really did not think we would be doing all of this again and making a new album. The thing that I, I love about the new album is that it is, I mean, it, it sounds like a Veruca Salt album that absolutely mm-hmm. sounds, I immediately know who it is. But it really, the songs, the more I listen to it, I can sort of pick up these themes of adult friendship and love and forgiveness not in a teenage rock and roll romantic sense, but in, you know, coming from people who have lived a, a, lived more of life, let's put it that way. And these are not usually overt themes in rock music, and mm-hmm. it's really wonderful to hear that the songs that you're writing are capable of withstanding, not withstanding, upholding sentiments like that. There's room for them, even in these riffs. That's a lovely thing to hear. Thank you. And I will say it's really nice to be in this place um, in our lives and to be making music again. And, you know, when I first saw Nina at that restaurant, I mean, we had seen pictures of one another and images of one another, but we'd never run into each other. And so it was, um, you know, we really took each other in for the first time. It was very sweet. You know, it was so nice to see her face again. And we just sat across the table from each other and so much time had passed, you know, and I just remember her phone kept dinging. And uh, <laughs> and the last time we were together, I mean, cell phones were different. They were like an entirely different beast. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, here we were. And our lives had changed so dramatically. We had been through so much. And I think de- most definitely our music is informed by that now, by all of who we've become. And we really had to get to the bottom of what happened between us and and really go through our feelings with um you know look at our feelings and those experiences in the past under a microscope and really kind of you know figure out what happened and be able to really talk about it to get to the other side and we did and we are here and we're you know we're here to sing about it <laughs> there there are some songs uh, there's some lines on the song Prince of Wales that that refer specific to specific moments um you know, I remember this, I remember that. And I, I'm curious, when you had this dinner, or even since, do you have the same memories of that time? Is it, like, if, if this was the newlywed game, and I said, what was the last time, when was the last time you saw Louise? Or right. what was, you know, any specific moment from that last year? Do you think you have the same memories, or did it play out so differently for both of you? And- well, yeah, uh, both, because we do have a lot of the same memories. But one of the one of the million great things about being back together again is recovering some of the lost memories yeah. because there are many things I remember that Louise didn't and vice versa or the guys remembered um, that we didn't and so many f- mostly funny things like mostly it's jokes we all had 
together. And, um, and so it was great. It was like retrieving all of those lost memories. Um, but a lot of them we do share. But I'm shocked even today, like things come up all the time. I'll say, do you remember doing this? And she won't or vice versa. I mean, different memories. But then and we also had different versions. We had different photographs from our time together. So like I, I got the Joan Jett photo in the divorce. The, you know, and it what nothing was on Instagram back right. then. So yeah. we literally like divided up the photos in the divorce. We never knew that was going to happen. So <laughs> whatever she had at her house, that's what it's she had. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, it, it, in a way, it, it gives you it gives you the opportunity this amount of time to sort of autopsy your younger selves in a way, because the younger mm-hmm. version of the other was always in the mind of wait getting confused but the younger version of nina was always in louise's head and vice versa and then you can sort of revisit it through each other's eyes in a way that's kind of amazing and i feel like this album is in a way an autopsy or a it's like a forensic Mm -hmm. study of what happened i mean that's what the song eyes on you is is about and um about really looking and trying to find all of those like clues it's things that Things that led the break led to the breakup. Things you know, the, the things that led to the reunion. Everything. It's just sort of, yeah, like a very scientific study of what went wrong. <laughs> it's like a big geological dig. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we excavated and, the past. Yeah. And the longer you're at it, the more things. Yeah, yeah it's true. The All light. these fossils. <laughs> you coming up? No, really. The we bodies just bodies where the bodies are buried. The bodies. Well, there's a lyric about that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you mentioned Eyes on You. I love that song so much, and one of the reasons why I love it is that. I'm, I'm listening to it constantly, and I can't tell what it's about, which I think all good songs should be that way. You can have your own interpretations. But sometimes I'll listen to it, and I'll think it's about um, you know, young friendships. Other times I'll think it's about being a parent. Hmm. Um, and I, the line about wait, don't grow up yet is such a fantastic line because it's so much of pop music you know, is we'll stay young, stay young forever, and it's very much like this shared dreamland. But wait, don't grow up yet is, has a certain... Um, I, I don't want to say anxiety to it, but it's like a, it's a plea. Please don't, because mm-hmm. this moment doesn't last. And I, I think that's a, a rare moment to capture in a song. Yeah. Well, I would, I love that moment of that song. And I can say that because I didn't write that moment of the song. Um, I came to Nina with this, the beginnings of this song. And, um, you know, when I first played it for her, I teared up sort of as I am now because I felt it so strongly and and yet we tabled the song because we didn't have lyrics for it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very much like we were <clears throat> – it was a collaborative a collaborative effort to come up with the lyrics. And once we got rolling, they started coming really, – flowing really easily for me. But that one line, we didn't have that one line, mm-hmm. and it was driving me crazy. And I was just like, Nina, Nina, what is the line? And this is just how she works. She's like, hmm, hmm. Wait, don't grow up yet. I'm like, oh my god, there just it like is. Just like that. Yeah, there it is. She just pulls it out. You just ask the like, oracle here you go. There it is. Ask the wow. oracle. That's yeah. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah. But and if you only. know and and then also, you know, we, there was no bridge and Nina was like, I'll take care of that. She goes home and comes back the next day with this glorious bridge and and you know, that's just how that's how this record came about, which is also a really new thing for us because when we were in our 20s, we were much more very precious about our lyrics and we were fo- you right. know you're forming our identities forging our identities and um finding our voices and we really needed to say what we had to say and 
distinctly 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 as much as we were also um very much on the same page and shared a lot of the same stuff in our past and stuff that we wanted to get out and we i don't think that either of us you know recoiled in embarrassment or anything when the other one had a song we were very much together with the themes and everything but um but now we're we are so happy to be playing music together again and we still play off each other and we're very it very much needs to be a sentiment that that we are comfortable with but we we don't even have to look at it that hard you know well i think i i was about to say bands are fascinating animals and i think they right. always are but i it, it always strikes me as so interesting that that you know young people tend to form bands but at, that's at the age when you're attempting to make your own voice as loud as possible discover it and mm-hmm. shout into it but uh to be in a successful band you, you have to subsume that voice as part of a larger whole and that that is a tension mm-hmm. that can create obviously great art but it can also create shorter careers yes interesting very well well put and explained to us because um <laughs> we never really thought about it that way but it is true i mean it, we definitely now in retrospect can recognize how we were very much um in need of attention, you know, at the time. And we we wanted to share the spotlight. We absolutely did. But um, when we wrote songs, you know, it's sort of like you picture, like, a woman in her early 20s, like, reading poems, you know, maybe to her boyfriend or something and, like, being devastated if he doesn't think it's the greatest thing he's ever heard. Oh, yeah. You know, that kind of just dramatic narcissism that um, I think we all shared. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was. It was difficult. And, yes, it, it it propelled us, and there was a certain level of competition that kept us, you know, writing songs and um, writing better songs. And I think that was all well and good, and it worked really well. But, yes, I think it did create a shorter, a shorter lifespan for the first phase of this band. I, I would say, I mean, as a writer, obviously of very different things, but learning to give and take criticism is something that comes like a decade at least after learning to be an okay writer uh wow yeah it's much much harder to do and to understand that you know to separate that what you're putting into the world isn't always all of you that you maintain some of you even though you're putting these things out there i feel like that's tricky to navigate totally i agree and um i think we've gotten better at that I think we're just really open to each other's ideas now. Once again, part of it is level a certain level of humility that we might have acquired over time. Secondly, it's just a celebration of being back together again. Like, I get to hear Nina's ideas now. I get to hear Jim and Steve's ideas now. And I have worked with enough people now to have to place a much higher value on them, on these individuals' ideas. Yeah. And um, case in point, again, to, to reference the album, there's a song called Lost to Me on the album. And... I had written what I thought was a complete song and um, the chorus fell flat for the band. And, um, and when, you know, and Nina, again, in this case, like went another case, went home and rewrote the chorus, wrote the chords to the, rewrote the chords to the chorus and changed it and made it a song that was album worthy. And the whole band responded differently. And I really like had a moment where like my, my like young pride self, you know, just was sort of like, ouch, you know, oh, should I be did, embarrassed right now? Did should you snatch I snatch the Joan Jett photo back from me? <laughs> I never you? got it. I still don't have oh, it. Okay, oh, we'll work this out off air. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to cause any more trouble. But but you know, as a result, it became um it became a record a song that we all were able to embrace and be excited about putting on the record, and it became a band song. And that's what's happened on this album. You know, there were so 
so much like in our history, there was so much um, divisiveness around us. And the tendency, and I understand the tendency to sort of um, divide me and Nina and say Nina's song, Louise's song. Mm -hmm. It was a natural tendency, but we're sort of, you know, we are trying to, you know, redirect that tendency right now because it really truly has become much more of a collective effort. And I'm, and I'm including the guys, Steve and Jim, when I say that. I'm curious to hear your take on something that I, I think about this a lot anyway, that, that the importance, not the importance, let's say the role of music in your life changes uh, through time as, as one gets a little bit older. And I think about how, you know, when, when you're young, I'll use I statements, when I'm young, you know, and you're, when I'm a teenager and young, you know, in my 20s, music is really a vehicle to, like, get from one place to another and to learn about feelings and things that maybe you haven't had yet. You know, they're placeholder feelings and emotions. And then as you get a little bit older, you actually have some of those experiences and feelings and emotions and love and loss. And then music, your, your relationship with music changes a little bit. Maybe you don't need the same things from it, but maybe you find deeper things in it. And I'm curious about specifically... As Veruca Salt, as an entity with both of you, what that was like in terms of where you are in your lives, and I'm, I'm losing my own question now, but <laughs> listening to music in your 20s and making music in your 20s versus listening to music and making music now, how that has changed and evolved for you? Yeah, I mean, it is, it is definitely different. When you are a teenager, um, you know, your music is your identity. Right. Um, it certainly was... For us, I mean, you know, and you would wear, you know, those buttons mm -hmm. like on your jean jacket or whatever it was. And that was like the first thing, you know, the same way now, you know, someone will look at your playlists or look right. at, you know, and you'd see like, oh, she likes Elvis Costello and Squeeze. Oh, he likes Led Zeppelin. Like just based on what you're wearing. And, and you would say, I'll stay away from that person right. because right. And it became very militant. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, yeah, it was it was everything, you know, it was our whole world you know the the bands we loved and um and yes i agree you know then as you get a little bit older and you feel you know romantic love and pain and despair and all of those things you can definitely connect and like i certainly as a teenager wouldn't have been able to connect with like big star because i hadn't experienced depression you know yeah. or i hadn't experienced a certain kind of sadness um but then in my 20s maybe and I mean, yeah, it is. It's different. It's um. Oh, I have nothing wise to say except that there there definitely were moments before we started doing this again where I thought, wow, music just doesn't mean the same thing to me. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean as much to me anymore. I still listen to it, and I still want to like sing to my kids, and um, you know, I want to play them all the great music that I love, but I don't feel it on that visceral level. And then this happened again, and it's back. You know, it definitely is. Different types of songs move me now, you know, but yeah. but um, I don't think you ever really get back to the way, you know, the way it was when you were a teenager. No, not in terms of the totality of it, but I, it, that's, I really like hearing what you're saying about how, and I agree with it, that, that you can always find emotion that meets your own in music. It right. just might not be the same emotion. It might not be the same music, and that's always sort of fascinating to track. Right. Um, the battles kind of go away, I find. Like I, I was I, I was saying to you before we started recording, I used to work at Spin and write record reviews, and I stopped doing it because I didn't want to fight. You know, I liked what I liked, but the battleground of people in their 20s being like, this is good, this oh, is yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. We're over here, you're there. Yeah. That sort of lost, I lost the passion for that. Right. 
Um, that said, um, I do want to ask about, I know this is your favorite topic, uh, those battle lines were so intense in the 90s. Oh, God. I mean, I, I was experienced as a fan, um, and i really eager to know what it was like to be in the war. In Where the did sense it that start? Like, wh- did it start in Chicago? It couldn't have started the, in Chicago with fighting? Steve Albini and Tortoise and, like, did it? I always thought it did. I would, well, no, but I blamed those guys for I, a lot. So did we. Yeah. So did we. But, like... Yeah, I think we were directly in the middle of the battle. The like, epicenter we, we just, of yeah, like we came, judgmental we, indie rockness. Yeah, we came into being right there on the battlefield. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you guys, you guys met, you said, as, you know, to play music. You went on a musical date. You played music. That seems separate and apart from these battle lines, and yet you were there. So when did you, at what point were you, were you aware of them just being musicians on the scene and being fans of music, or did you run smack into this sort of thing as you were getting the band off the ground? I think we ran smack We did. We into ran it. into it. It was like the, the hand of hate. Like... <laughs> Right in our faces. People hate. I mean, I feel like some of our listeners are obviously going to be people who have been fans of your band for a while. But I do think some people will be fans who are hopefully discovering your music. And I don't think they understand what it was like. That's then. crazy. It, it I mean, wasn't okay to have two things that are dissimilar on a Spotify playlist. We didn't have a Spotify playlist. It was you are you listen to Touch and Go Records or you are a bad person. Right. You no, know? totally true. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say when we came, you know, when Nina and I were kind of discovering who we were together musically. Um, and the bands we were listening to were like, uh, to name a bunch, like th- I remember throwing muses and belly mm-hmm. and, um, the breeders, we loved pod. It was like the Bible does. And we loved it so much. And, um, my bloody Valentine and the pixies. And these were the, mu- you know, we just loved these bands so much. And, um, we would just play with our songs and do stuff like, Oh no, do it like that. It's more Kim, you know, just, we were just having fun. We were just playing and we never thought anyone would hear our record in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right. Much less become pretty successful pretty quickly and then have some weird backlash. Like we didn't know what was happening. (laughs) Um, but I found myself being, you know, kind of guilty of that because Liz Ferris, Exile and Guyville came out when we were working with Brad Wood and I was, I was hell bent on hating that, that record. Well. He did produce yeah. it. And I was determined to hate that record and I found myself loving it. And I thought, oh God, because she was everywhere. And the same thing. And then I, I realized, oh, well, I love it. That's just all there is to it. Yeah. Nina and I both love that record. And then, you know, the same thing happened to us. Like we were everywhere all of a sudden and Chicago doesn't like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I didn't know, I mean, I, I probably learned about Slint um, and um, I mean, we never were like Jesus Lizard fans per se, but, you know, the Touch and Go bands that came out, that's, we listened to Seam and Hum and um, Red Red Meat, all of those Chicago bands, and we would go see them play at the Empty Bottle. Mm-hmm. And we, um, we, you know, we were, we were like, um, they were our peers and they were also sort of our heroes. So they were like local heroes to us. And it was really painful for us when we came out on the heels of all these bands we loved so much. And there was sort of like this weird local backlash. Um, and now it seems laughable, right? Yeah. But at the but time, at the time it was, time. we took oh, it, it personally. Hurtful. It was. It was really hurtful. And um, I remember and in, in we had heard like Gerard Cosway had said something nasty about us, right? <laughs> that, that, that was or, 
predictable. Oh, oh, oh. Or Jonathan <laughs> Poneman and Sub Pop, sub, whatever. Well, we just, he said we sounded like Heart from our demo that we sent him. Which now which, I would take as a compliment, a but back compliment, then it didn't feel like a compliment because right. people were, you know, you thought about 80s Heart. You didn't yeah. think about right. 70s Heart. Also, you had to draw a line. You couldn't be that thing that came from a different era or that right. represented something else. You had to throw that away and be only about this thing. Right. And, right. right. And just to be clear, we love Heart. Yeah. <laughs> Heart's great. Right. Um, but yeah, that's... But it was hard, and and like, and then we were asked. Remember, we were in that pavement video, and oh, now yeah. I feel like were they laughing at us? Like, what was that? Were we in on the joke, or was were we the from joke? The band even there when we did it? I yeah. think Scott it, was there. No, no, and and Stephen Malcolm was there too. Did they, they show up there. for the shoot? They were. We're in a we're in a pavement video as the band. It was called Painted Soldiers. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. and we're the band like. Pretending to be pavement. I, I don't know. But at the time, we thought we were in on the joke. And now, looking back, I'm like, were, Wait, they were making, we the joke? Were, were we the joke? <laughs> like, what? I don't. Uh, ex- they, I don't know what happened. You'll need to look at it and analyze it I'm and decide. Going to do that. Well, that was the song from the Kids in the Hall movie, I think. Or? Oh yeah, I think so. From okay. Brain Candy yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Oh right. It was. No, that couldn't be anything. Yeah. But, but anyway, yeah, but, but that, that's. It all seems like worse than high school, you know? Like you already know and the cool kids and the cooler kids. And what were you supposed to have done? That's the thing that I don't understand. I think we weren't we we definitely not be successful. Yeah, no (laughs) success. Um, You know, because because there was a little window where everyone in Chicago loved us. Mm -hmm. I think it was about a three day window. It was like a three day window. We played a few shows and people were like, "Oh my god, they're so." Yeah. And then <laughs> as soon as we were in the MTV buzz bin, we were, you know. And well, here's the good news. Now, nobody knew that we were making this record. Nobody yeah. was looking for this record. No one was expecting this record or our reunion. Like we this were new even, Yeah, this new yeah. record to bring us back to the present. We were not expecting it. We didn't think this would ever happen. So, and no one is telling us you guys have a deadline. You need to go make this record. Yeah. It's totally a labor of love and it's all for us for healing and um, like Nina said it's like we have rediscovered music and our love for music through this process and um, like her I was kind of taking I was kind of on an indefinite hiatus from music when we reconnected and soon I mean I didn't know that I'd ever wanted to make music again and at that point and we got together and I was like oh my God, that's a great song. Oh my God, I have a song for you. And it just like all bubbled to the surface so fast. Like we have been these dormant artists raising small children and everything was pushed aside for everything and all the needs of our kids, our young children. And, And there it all was. Like as soon as I got back together with Nina, it was like right there. Like it was just waiting to come out. But does it feel the same or is it this or is it the, i mean the mechanisms of touring being with fans playing music together or do you feel refreshed because you can approach it from this place of you weren't expecting it it's not you're not on a track it's just something that you chose to re-enter yeah because yeah. there doesn't feel we we don't feel that same kind of pressure you know when we made american thighs we didn't feel any pressure because yeah we had no idea that anyone would hear that record so it really was just the thrill of being in the studio same thing again and we're not on a major label we don't have anybody like placing any kind of expectations on us and what we do it's all for us and um so no it's great and every show we play it doesn't feel like you know we have something to prove we don't we don't have anything to prove right and stakes the stakes just aren't like so crazy high anymore and we are on a label with a really nice guy and we're yeah. we love being there but it's a different animal you know well i i am sorry to go back to this just but I, i'm <laughs> constantly fascinated by this 
this sort of false narrative that I feel like as a fan, I was, I, I wasn't sold. I bought it, of course. But, you know, I, I, I watched you guys uh, this morning. I was watching the, the Glastonbury performance, which is so terrific and looks like so much fun. And you're playing Seether in front of this crowd of, you know, thousands and thousands of God knows what they were on English kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there, there was that moment in the 90s when you guys were who you were coming from Chicago and you're wearing, uh, you know, ripped jeans and, and thrift store dresses. But the music industry was still the music industry, right? And right. I feel like that's the thing that as fans, we never really saw. Like you were making your music and being the people that you were, and it was completely genuine and you were making the choices you were making. But I, the, the one thing that I always fascinates me is that the same sort of types of people who were in, intensely focused on profiting from this. Now, always good people in the music industry. That's a big brush. Mm-hmm. But you know, just like the the over the top dinners and the wooing and the label and the marketing with people who there was no textbook for you guys, right? There was no, no we there was there was no, no there's no night course you could take. There was no, no map. No. <laughs> no. No. We had no idea what what was happening. We really weren't prepared for that. And we weren't prepared for the feeling of this has everything had to be more successful than the last thing we did. So when Caesar like exploded, right. we felt like everything on the heels of that had to be as successful or more. We had to top it. And um, and we so that led to a lot of anxiety induced nights where we would just not we we would get a, del- uh, uh, you know, a video delivered to us that we had just filmed with someone very talented. Right. And we would just obsess about every decision and decide whether or not it's good enough, whether or not we, you know, we can release such a thing. We we're Oof. so precious about everything. And um, I mean, we we're like tearing our hair out. I mean, it was crazy town, you know, and like. And now it's we're you know, I mean relatively free of all of that. Um, but it was really it did eat us alive. Like the feeling of we have to be more successful now. Like you know this record has to hit the stratosphere, or we might as well throw the towel. In, right. It, it, you know? It's either or. Yeah. yeah. And it was this mentality of like we don't want to f- this up. We can't. Yeah. You know like we've got this precious thing and and you know we we don't want to make a wrong move which is just crazy that's not that's not what enables creativity and right. you know artistry right or, and or art. En- enter a total breakdown of interband communication and you have a breakup on your hands right. like the recipe was it was all in play well, also because of the pressure if you're if you're just right. internalizing the pressure and it becomes about maintaining a major label rock band career and not right. maintaining a, a friendship a musical partnership artistic right. whatever right. Those, those are very different things and we right. couldn't really take breaks from each other because we were business partners <laughs> creative partners we were living on a bus together you know we were like we were like twins what did you what were you saying recently about just twinning, you know, there was all of this, you know, where does one start and the other end? Where does one mm-hmm. begin in the other end? And um, getting confused about <laughs> who we were, like, wait, mm-hmm. I'm Nina and you're Lou. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we still have that because <laughs> well, we can't tell each other's voices apart. Yeah, like, this would be good for a podcast. On that. <laughs> <laughs> well, our speaking voices more so. But yeah. when we're singing, like on the album, we can, uh, you know, we're always like, wait, which one? Which one am I? Did I sing the high part? Or did, yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we sound similar. And, and we call um, each other by our daughter's names, which oh, is yeah, kind of weird. Oh, yeah, that's weird. In just in daily life now. Yes, like now. she's Ivy and I'm Lila, Lila, and yeah, it's. I think it's like you know we spend so much time together that yeah. Louise and Ivy are like the primary female people in my life. Yeah. So I get them slightly confused, and she does the same with me. Pops daughter, out. My That's daughter, sweet. my sister, my. Well, yeah, but that was a great movie. You know, regardless of <laughs> it whether it was a healthy ending, it was it was a great movie. Um, 
I, I, the other thing that I was thinking about, though, in terms of your career is that, like, Eight Arms to Hold You, I think, is a really good record. And, and Volcano Girls is such a great song. And I love the video. I always have. And I feel like there were just so many rules that made no sense. And at the time, <laughs> because here's the thing. Here's what I want out of a band um, from my perspective. Seether is great. American Thighs was great. But I loved something trying to go bigger, being bigger, not being in, you know, Rip jeans, trying something different. Like that's what I like in my bands. But the rules didn't let that happen then. Well, and to be fair, if there hadn't been that sort of underground, like petty backlash, yeah. we would never have gone with Bob Rock. We thought that was the most punk rock thing we could do. It was. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. To go from Albini to Bob Rock yeah. is the best move ever. I well, mean, yeah, yeah, and we felt that way. Um, but yes, changing from jeans and vintage, you know. Vintage store dresses may have been may have been a mistake. We felt we had to, you know. My brother left the band. He was our drummer yeah. on Eight Arms to Hold You, but then he left before we toured. And he just tells a very funny story about like seeing us when we were opening for Bush and seeing us in those like purple metallic leather jumpsuits. Uh-huh. And he's like, "When did they turn into the Wiz? Like we looked like." <laughs> Characters. We look like the cast of The Wiz. Like, what is going on? I leave the band for five minutes and suddenly it's The Wiz, you know? And like, we love, we thought those were awesome. But oh like, God, yeah. now looking back, I oh, mean, I whatever, they're them. still pretty great. My husband says, so when was it that you guys switched? It's like you were dressed like, you know, just jeans and t-shirts and boots. Kind of like, you know, like teenagers or, you know people in their 20s and all of a sudden you grew up it might have been on a tuesday <laughs> you started dressing up everything changed it really did but you know we were sitting there in hawaii bob really only liked to work for a few hours a day so we had all this time on our hands we First watched all, the olympics everything about that sentence was great we're gonna revisit <laughs> we're gonna parse it we're gonna unpack all of it but please continue <laughs> we had so we were kind of bored. I mean, we had time to exercise. I rode my bike. Nina mm-hmm. would read by the pool. We were there was a jacuzzi. I mean, we, it was really a cushy summer. Steve was Steve was like he was surfing every day. We just pictured him out there with a cigarette and a scotch, <laughs> scotch on the rocks. He's at work, and uh, um, right. And it, and Bob would just breeze in for a while and then go to, back to his pack of seven kids and his wife, who was annoyed that he had to work the, at all. The little rocks, yeah, the They're, little rocks, yeah. Not so little anymore. I guess but not. Anyway, um, and so, you know, we sat around and we were making this bombastic, like, massive record. We, it couldn't, it, the bigger the better. Like, we, like, just like our boots. We ha- it had to be huge. And so we had all this time to sit there and think about, like, how we were going to live up to the sound of the record with our clothes. Yeah. And what could we possibly wear? <laughs> the idle minds, yeah. <laughs> that would match this huge sound. And um, one thing led to another. And suddenly it was... Come on and ease on down, ease on down the road. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense. <laughs> it's logical. Oh, my God. It was like, I was made for loving you, baby. <laughs> but to be fair, the same brother who was making fun of you at that Glastonbury performance is wearing a Def Leppard t-shirt. Oh, no, no, no. He oh, yeah. he, so, he has no problem with, like, metal, pop metal. Yeah. That's that He wears that literally on his sleeve. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but he, uh, the whiz apparently was not... Was was not what he had intended for us, but so, so at some point during those years, like you, you know, we started by saying that you had intended to make more records together. But did you just was there a moment for either of you where you just looked around or looked down and said, "Wait, what? 
how did we get here? Like, no. was, was there no. a talking heads moment? No. I think we no. felt pretty great about what we looked like oh, yeah. and the way we presented ourselves. And, and we got to be such a good live band. Like, yeah. on that tour in particular, we toured with Bush, you know, did arenas everywhere around the U.S. and Canada, and we just got really good, and we had wireless rigs, so, like, we could just, like, pace around the stage like panthers, and we'd go up these little ego ramps. And, and we had learned some moves from Metallica, yeah. watching them play in this little tiny muddy tent in Tuktoyaktuk. <laughs> I will repeat that if you like. Please, Tuktoyaktuk. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, there's a documentary about it now. What's it called? When like Revenge of the Beer People or the, be- the something of the beer invasion of the beer yeah, people. Invasion of the beer people. That's about Metallica. No, it's well, about it's about the show the we show played, we played for for uh, Molson. We went to uh, to the North, North Pole. Pole. Yeah, and we went and we went. We invaded this like Cree Indian community. This is and, terrific. Oh my god! And um, and we stayed in these tiny lodges where everyone was super welcoming and amazing. And 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 there was this crazy concert with Metallica Hole, us and a band a Canadian band called Moist. And worst name band of all time, I've mm. always thought. Oh yeah. Did you say worst name? Yeah. It is the worst. Well nobody likes the word moist. Mm. That's the problem. No one likes the word belly either, but they're a good oh, band. I don't mind, be- uh, I don't I don't mind the word belly. Really? Mm-mm. That's controversial. Really? We're breaking news People on don't show. like belly? No, belly and moist. I knew like about moist too, I find. Yeah. Belly's not as offensive. I didn't know about belly. No, but I, I don't came around because of the band. But Yeah. Right. And the mm. importance to eating. But mm. go on. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So Metallica played that show in this small tent with, like, I mean, the children there they didn't have MTV, right? They were, like, doing Ring Around the Rosie to Metallica. And, I mean, there was an intense mosh pit. Like, the kids there were as, like, bright-eyed and excited to see yeah. a rock show as anyone you could ever imagine. And... um and I literally had to leave at one point because I was so overstimulated by watching them in this small venue because they brought their arena energy to this tiny tent, oh my God. right? Um, and the beer part is is insane because it was a dry town where they hosted this yeah. thing. It was a contest winner, and it was an MTV contest winner thing. And so they literally shipped all the contest winners to a town nearby where they could drink. And by the time they shipped them over to Tuktoyaktuk, they were kind of like, really buzzed but not like buzz not drinking anymore so they're kind of all tired (laughs) (laughs) it's like a dream crowd it's weird the whole thing was so surreal and whole and metallica we just saw lars ulrich recently in san francisco we were convinced that they were staying in the nice hotel in taktoyaktak but in fact (laughs) the nice tent the nice they were all like um they were all... They were like little trailers. Yeah, trailers. They were just trailers. But yeah. there was the Pingo Park and the Tuck Inn. Yeah. I can't like, remember oh. where they were staying, but we thought, oh, they, they must were. be staying at the nice one. The Tuck Inn. The Tuck yeah. Inn. But. I... I've, I'm impressed. Not only is the new record good, I'm impressed you made it because I would just want to sit around and just laugh about these old stories. Well, we do. I, I we do. Like... I mean, that's the most fun part in in remembering what it was like to be a band. Then, like when we first when we first all started touring together last summer, we played some shows, and um, I remembered very quickly, like, oh. Our job, like 99% of our job out here is just to make each other laugh all the time. Like, that's all we care about. Like, Louise wants to make me laugh. (laughs) It's so much more fun to do that than talk about anything, like, heavy or of import. Of course. We get very, very silly together. And it's so much fun. Yeah. And my brother's, like, one of the funniest people and um, and Steve has his – oh, he has his moments. Yes, he does. we, We do. We spend a lot of time. 
feel like this, cracking is, up. this all seems so much healthier to me too because you were able to take the time apart that you needed to like define your lives in a way so that when you make this band it's as we've been saying throughout it's about friendship it's about choice you know it's about choosing how you want to spend your time while while not redefining who you are you're not giving up any part of yourself to be back in this band it's, right well exactly and i do think that if you you know compare what it's like being a woman in your 20s who is, you know, women who are songwriters, who are, you know, intensely creative as we were at that time. Um, you know, we had no responsibilities to anyone but ourselves mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, motherhood really does change, <clears throat> change you and change your whole perspective. And, you know, all of that time, yeah, we really do. We're, we're so comfortable in who we are that we don't, none of that, are we allowed to swear on this? We'll yeah. make an exception. Okay, because <laughs> no, okay, I already said the F word. I know, I noted it. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Um, but yeah, and so now, yeah, so it's way more healthy. And and obviously you can't go back and teach yourself that, you know, it would not have worked back then. It wouldn't have worked because we weren't there. Right, and I love how you put it recently um, in an interview that I read of yours when um, you said we had to go off and become healthy and whole before we could start playing together again. How have you found the crowds? Are the people coming to the shows, people who have been patiently waiting? Are there, oh my are there God. new fans? I mean, be both. 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 They're, they have been patiently waiting, um, hoping against hope. Um, that mommy and daddy would get back together. <laughs> there's some of mommy that. Mommy, yeah, yeah well, mommy and mommy, exactly. There's some of that. And, um, and it's, uh, it's quite an honor to learn how we... Our music has impacted people. I don't think in our wildest dreams we could have imagined that this many years later there would be people who are so um, so excited that we're back together and who um, treasure our music in the way that we treasure others' music. You know, it's it's incredible to be on the other side of that. Like just the other night, I was saying to Nina, just it's just what you know, me and you. Like, can you believe this? You know. <laughs> um, not to keep the guys out of it, but you know, I was just having a moment with her where. We were just undone by the love we were feeling from our from our fans, and that's across the board. It's in every city we go to, and um, and the love it, it bowls us over. It really does. And then there is also a new wave of fans coming in, mm -hmm. who um, interestingly a lot of teenage girls who are just coming across us right now. And we just received a book full of letters from a slew of fifteen year old girls, and they. Were, they could have been written in 95 like or 98 or 97 or whatever they were just like so familiar sounding you know yeah. and yet they're from a different generation i mean they're it's a, it's really fascinating and so right so our audiences really run the gamut i think that's great and i especially because you know there's a lot of good rock music being made today of course but its place in the culture is very different and you know to be 15 and be into rock music or it's hard to, i would say it's hard to find things i would say I, I, boy or girl i think it's hard probably harder to find some things in the same way that it harder than it was for us maybe even though we had to go to a record store and deal with mean clerks i mean you can find it but i don't know if i don't know who the sherpas are to help get you there mm -hmm. interesting because there's so, so much now there's right too, there's almost too much it's, right. it's limitless you know mm -hmm. what i mean and i i feel like 
there used to be, and maybe this must be old guy complaining, but like I, I feel like there used to be, you know, I would read a review and it would mention certain bands and influences, and I'd go buy that, and I'd buy that, and I'd buy that, and you could sort of slowly piece together the picture of who you wanted to be and who you wanted to listen to, and now you could just be like, click, and you get all of it, right? Which maybe helps your experience, but I don't know. I think it's a little bit different. I, I, I think I can only imagine that people still come across bands that you know one by one i mean they have yeah. to right and find a band that glom on to them i hope so i don't know i don't know we're gonna find it we'll <laughs> we get some know. feedback yeah. i was gonna say we'll read the youtube comments under this but we will never read the youtube comments no that's a bad idea no i do she doesn't uh, i like reading comments do you really Neil yes has i to know i i don't know what it is i'm morbidly fascinated with negative things that people say about me oh my goodness I don't know what that is. I always have been. I like. I think part of it is my fear of being, seeming like I've been duped in some way. Like I don't like the idea that someone's written it and that they think I might not know about it. You know what I mean? I feel like I need to be in control by knowing. Of the conversation. Well, yeah, or just by no. I need to know all of it. Like I don't want to be kept in the dark. If there are like some really bad reviews, yeah, I want to know about them. Okay. Because I don't want people feeling sorry for me. Okay. You know? So I send don't. them to her. Send not them to me, me, but not to her. <laughs> okay, she, she doesn't like them. I, I know I have to let you guys go, um, but I, I, Louise, I have to ask. I mean, we, we before we started, you, you said that you have a particular way of singing the Game of Thrones theme song. Oh and I God. feel like generally I, I spent a lot of the year talking about Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> and I really think that you've figured it out. I think you've cracked the code. Because people make fun of the opening credits. They're very, very long, instrumental. Right. Right. And I'm sorry to put you on the spot like this. Oh, she'll Please, do it. I'm she'll so do it. excited. But I think it's really... I think you've, I know I, Wheezy. I, she'll do it. I, I just think she's found a way to like <laughs> verbalize what all of us feel with that show. Like, really the core message of the show, you know, for mm-hmm. the fans. So it goes a little something like this. Killing horses, killing babies, killing doggies, killing children, killing kids... Killing horses, killing babies, killing doggies, killing children, killing kids. And then just repeat, loop that for eight minutes. Killing horses, right. Just keep going. And then castles are built, you know, the whole background. I think it's perfect. Yeah, I think, and if you don't watch the show, you now understand it. Exactly. That's all you need to know. Yeah, it's perfect. There it is. Just if you want to see some horse murders, a lot of them, see some beautiful spiritual wolves done away with. Um, and babies murdered. It's great. This you're right? tapping into what America wants. I think you really you, <laughs> do it you one more time. For you, yeah. Killing horses, killing babies, killing doggies, killing children, killing kids. <laughs> the interpretive dance. I didn't know if you were going to come in with a little harmony. Yeah, or no, I've never heard this one before. Beepa. Okay, I've never heard this. You could work it up. For, yeah, in the future for tonight, for our show tonight. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so ooh. Themed. Okay, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, killing babies, um, killing. <laughs> What else do we kill? Doggies. Doggies. If you run short, <laughs> just think of something that is cute and beloved. Okay. You could throw bun- bunnies. You could throw bunnies yeah? in. Okay. Yeah, bunnies. Okay. But I'm a wuss. You know, I told you before we started this interview that I, 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 I was done after the Red Wedding. Yeah. Couldn't do it anymore. I'm a mom. I can't take it. It's a, it's and a the lot. gratuitous kniving of the, you know, just yeah. it, plus, we're done. Plus, you sort of know the world, so you just assume everyone you used to watch has now been stabbed. Well, right. I mean, the people I love keep getting off. I just can't take it. And Joffrey wasn't dead yet. I just couldn't take it anymore. However, considering you know the way you feel about online commenters, you'll probably love this show. 
I feel yeah. like this this is an interesting. Well, okay, this is a divide we'll work on next time we talk. <laughs> um, Louisa and Nina, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, Ghost Notes is out now, and it's a terrific record by Veruca Salt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.